0: With proven strategies, systems, and processes, we've saved our clients tens of thousands in legal fees and helped define their future. And now we're doing the unthinkable. We're revealing the secrets the lawyers have tried to hide and giving you our formula for five steps to a seamless divorce. We're changing the world one divorce at a time, so stay tuned. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Divorce Angel podcast. I wanted to have a chat today about something that is really important to me, and something that I get on my high horse about. This week, I had a actual message from a financial advisor asking for my advice after a client had found themselves in a very sticky situation. So, what had happened? She had now been divorced for 12 months, had had her consent orders go through to the court, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she received a bill from the tax department for $42,000. Can you believe it? $42,000. Where the hell does someone, a single mother with, I think she had three or four children under the age of 10, paying a mortgage, living week to week, she's getting no child support from their ex-husband, And here she's finding herself with a bill of $42,000 for the tax department. Now, it's simple how this has happened, but everyone misses it. And it's something that I bang on all the time about. And it comes down to the three P's of divorce, preparation, planning, and protection. So let's start by going through the three P's for a successful divorce And then I will explain to you what's gone wrong in her circumstances. When we first get divorced or when we first separate, it's really important that we are prepared. And it's what I do with my clients when we do what I call a divorce roadmap session. We go through and we make sure that we've done complete due diligence on all of the history and everything that's gone on in the relationship, so we can provide that information to the lawyer. And as you hear me say all the time, if you don't have your own plan, you become part of someone else's. So we need to make sure that we've got all of the preparation right. So what does preparation include? It's things like making sure that you have all of the appropriate paperwork. So bank statements and um, rates notices, vehicle valuations, all of those sorts of things pertaining to your particular lifestyle and circumstances. It means that you've done some preparation work around who needs to be in your team. So if you were working with me, you will have done all of your homework, I often provide my clients with um, phone numbers of previous clients so that they can talk to them. I've got testimonials of the people they can talk to. And obviously, they can listen to what I think and how I address divorce by going back and listening to my podcasts. So they know if you're going to work with me, you know straight up who I am, what I stand for, and what I'm trying to achieve, because I have it everywhere. You can go to social media, you can read my book, you can see exactly what I stand for. When it comes to other people, though, that's not that easy. So when you're doing research on who you should have in your team, you need to make sure that you've done checks and balances on them, that you know whether they are the right person, whether the lawyer that you're about to choose, as I talk about all the time, is outcome focused or income focused. Do they want to get you the quickest outcome possible or do they want to prolong it so they can get income for themselves? It's really important to understand the two differences. Then there's accountants. So do you have a family accountant that you guys have always used. Is it the best idea to go and ask that accountant for some advice or should you go and get some independent advice from someone else? So you make sure that what you're receiving is up to date and is not biased information? Or are you better off to stay with the accountant that you've got because they know the ins and outs of your situation? Or will they be conflicted between your ex and yourself? So many questions that need to be answered, but that all comes down to the preparation. Then you might need to prove who bought what into the relationship. And you can do this by Providing back statements as to when you first got together, this is what I had in my bank account or this is a property that I owned and I owned it from this period to when we first started um, our relationship, whatever the case may be, but trying to prove what you state as being true and correct is important and it makes the life of the lawyer a lot easier. And then there might be other things like just say, for instance, you've received a redundancy or an inheritance. Can you show a bank statement that shows that money going into your account to prove a timeline as well? So that's preparation. And that's important to make sure that we do that work because you do not want to build your divorce on a house made of toothpicks. Because if you do, It's going to come crumbling down. You want to make sure you've done all of your preparation and your framework is solid for the other two parts of your divorce, which is the planning and the protection phase. So when we move into the planning phase, this is really where the strategy comes down to. What is it that you want to achieve? What assets do you want to keep and why? And can you? So in other words, if you wanna keep the family home and you need to pay out a mortgage, can you afford that mortgage? Have you been and seen a, a mortgage broker and you know for certain you can service the loan? Now, this is really important because this is also where you come to hiring the experts that you need on your team. So you've already done the preparation work and you've maybe interviewed a few of them. You haven't just gone to one, you've interviewed more. And what happens is you now know that, yes, this is definitely the person that I wanna work with and you hire them. That's what happens in the planning stage. So you put together your strategy, you put together your team and you get working on what you want. And it's in the planning stage that a lot of the negotiation and all of those other things might happen. Now with my clients, what we try and do, if we possibly can, we try and negotiate 80% of the outcome before we even go to the lawyer. So we already know for certain that this is what the two people really want. And if there's, if you know, you think about the 80-20 rule, most of it, if we can get done, it cuts a lot of costs because we're only then negotiating on 20% of, of um, what's left in either the asset pool or access to the children, whichever is your biggest issue at the time. And then comes protection. So protection is where we talk about updating wills, financial beneficiaries in superannuation and life insurance policies or um, any sort of trauma policy. We have to address any tax implications from no longer being in a relationship. So for instance, say that you offset some of your income by sharing that with your wife or someone else, or you had a family trust and you offset that money into any of those entities. If you're folding those entities up, what does that mean now for your tax position? And making sure that you put a strategy in place with your accountant to make sure that you can afford, or you don't just get this shock at the end of the day, wow, this has come out of nowhere and I didn't expect it. And then transfer of titles. So if you're going to keep the house, making sure that the transfer of titles have done. Here in Australia, when you register a business, that business is registered with ASIC. So, if you're no longer going to be in a family business or you've run a family trust and you're no longer going to be part of that, making sure that you've signed documents to resign from those businesses or trusts. Because I've seen before where that has been spoken about, but when we've gone through and done reviews on ASIC. Essex people are still listed as um, directors of businesses. You need to make sure that that is all done. Right. So let's get back to this lady with the $42,000 bill that come out of nowhere. In her instance, what happened, she went to a lawyer and she trusted that the lawyer was going to look after her best interest. Now, lawyers are not accountants. They're not financial advisors or anything like that. That's why I talk about your army of angels and making sure you have the right people in your team. So she went to a lawyer and her lawyer helped her negotiate her asset division with her ex-husband and the consent orders or whether it be binding financial agreement went into the court. The problem was the couple sold an investment property. Now, that investment property was in her name and there's nothing wrong with that because a lot of couples do that sort of thing. Now, if you're the higher earner, in a lot of cases, a property might be 100% in your name because you want to mitigate tax or... If you want to protect your assets, your asset might be in the name of, an, of the other partner. Now, in this instance, from what I understand, the husband was the major earner. The investment property was in her name because they wanted to protect it, and it was 100% in her name. But what that means is when they sold the property, she is responsible for all the tax implications associated with that house. Now, what we do in the planning stage when we're working with people, if they have assets, we make sure that we understand if a property or a business or shares or something like that is getting sold, we ask the accountant to please provide what the capital gains tax will be on that sale. And then that cost is listed on the consent orders as a liability and something that both parties are responsible for. So we would get a rough idea of what the tax bill would be. We would make sure that when the property is sold, that possibly that tax went into either the trust account for the lawyers or the conveyancer or the account, someone like that, to make sure that when the next year's tax got done, that the bill could be paid out of the money that's come from the relationship. Now that hasn't happened in this woman's instance and so the consent orders have been written up. The lawyer really has not known the questions that the lawyer should have asked and never instructed her to speak to her accountant or to find out what is meant to happen and she never knew what questions to ask because let's be honest, she's got these children, she's probably completely in disarray given what's going on. And I'm not saying that he didn't feel the same way, the ex-husband, but I am saying that divorce is not easy. It's emotional. If you do not get the correct guidance when you were selling your assets, this is the consequence of what might happen. Now, they've said to me, well, what can she do? Well, she can go back to her lawyer and ask the question because she needs to review the consent orders and see if it has actually been stipulated in there, but from what I understand, it has not. She either needs to go back to the court and ask for an amendment, which is going to cost her money, which obviously she doesn't have. The tax department have said to her that they're happy to give her a payment plan, but the payment plan was something like $1,200 a month. Now, she's even struggling just to pay her mortgage, let alone now paying this $1,200 a month. And the tax department has the ability, if they really want to, to go in different paths to recoup the money. Now, the ex-husband pretty much is high and dry because legally the property is in her name. It's her responsibility. It's up to her to pay the debt. So what I wanna make sure with you guys listening Please, please, please make sure you get the appropriate advice from the proper people. Divorce is like putting together a whole lot of jigsaw puzzle pieces to get the the picture at the end. If you don't have the right pieces of the puzzle, this is the consequence of what may happen. I don't want anyone to be left high and dry paying a tax bill of what's happened to this poor lady. I hear these stories over and over again, and they make me sick to my stomach to think that people are paying these bills for the right advice and then find themselves in these situations. It's heartbreaking. So I'm now going to hop off my high horse, but hopefully you guys have learned something from this poor woman's situation. We will see what we can do, but to be honest, there's very little I think that can happen because obviously her and her ex-husband are not on, on speaking terms and he's certainly not going to come back to the party now because they've negotiated their financial settlement. But who knows? The world's a funny place. All right, I want you all to have an amazing week. Keep smiling and if you've got any questions or need any help, please, you know where I am, I'm here to assist. Okay, I'll talk to you later. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Divorce Angel Podcast. Go behind the scenes of my business to learn the secrets no one else will share. Deep dive into the Divorce Angel process and listen to our most popular episodes over at tanyasummerton.com. If you love this episode of the podcast, do me a favor and head over to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review so we can reach more people and change more lives. That's all for now and I'll catch up with you next week.